All right, welcome in. It is That Betting Show here on 610 Sports Radio. Alex Gold with you. Julio Sanchez producing the show. Hope you guys had a chance to catch players only. Cool to see and hear from Tom Bali. I know a lot of Chiefs fans appreciated that. It's nice to have him in the building today, getting his great perspective on, of course, what has been, I think now, today at least, somewhat uplifting, but overall had been a very scary week in the NFL. And let me be clear before we even get into betting. I understand, look, this is a betting show. We're talking about results of games and making money on games and things like that. And so before we get into that, obviously want to acknowledge that what occurred on Monday night and the fantastic news today, though, in regards to the health of DeMar Hamlin, who doctors said has, quote, made a remarkable improvement to this point over the past 24 hours or so and is communicating with doctors and it's fantastic news and you may have caught some of the Buffalo Bills press conference this afternoon with Sean McDermott and Josh Allen yes they were still emotional but you could tell uh, and they even said you know a weight was lifted off their shoulders a little bit with the news today that DeMar Hamlin is progressing in a positive direction and hope each day we we get another update right hopefully before kickoff of these games on Saturday we we get some some better news even and that perhaps at that point in time uh it's another bit of relief for everybody that's going to have to step on a football field this weekend, including the Kansas City Chiefs, who will be the first game of Week 18, the first game since the scary situation that had DeMar Hamlin going to the hospital and, and needing to be resuscitated twice. So I want to just acknowledge that understanding. We're, we're talking, of course, football tonight, but it's with the understanding of the importance of what occurred on Monday night and and putting everything in perspective there. But we are going to talk about betting, and I, and I do want to mention the impact from a betting angle, right, with understanding being respectful, but understanding there is betting impact as well. Benny Heiss, Ben Heiss are going to join me coming up in about 15 minutes or so. I want to talk national championship with him. Georgia TCU coming up on Monday night out in L.A. for the national championship game. TCU, once again, I think being disrespected if you take a look at where the line is at for this game. We'll also get into the Week 18 slate here in the NFL season. But right now, what what do we know with this Bills and Bengals game? We know that there's a very good chance, according to multiple reports, that it is going to be a no contest. That's where it's trending, although within the last five minutes, I do want to pass along some news from Mike Florio. This is uh, about seven minutes ago that he's now hearing from multiple sources that there will be an owner's meeting tomorrow on Friday regarding the AFC playoff seeding issues. So if you were expecting some sort of announcement tonight on what the NFL was going to do in terms of officially not playing this game next week, which again, every sign is indicating that they are not going to play the Bengals and Bills game again, but are they going to go with this neutral side AFC title game? Are they going to go with some of the other, what I will call crazy thoughts that are out there among some that they need to have pick your path, essentially, right? Pick home field or pick bye week. We're not going to have an answer on that, at least until tomorrow, if the report from Mike Florio is correct, that the owners are going to vote on this. With all that said, let's say this game is a no contest. Let's say the Bills and Bengals game is a no contest. Some of you out there do have bets. Some of you have futures bets that tie into how the AFC finish goes. So if you, if you take a look at the one, two, and three seed, 
let's say it's a no contest. Well, based off of actual seating, not the, hey, neutral site game, but actual seating in that scenario, if you believe the teams will take care of the business this weekend, the Chiefs and Bills, well, the Chiefs would finish one, the Bills would finish two, the Bengals would, would finish three. But as we said, there's other things that could come into that. But right now, those bets have not been voided. The win totals, are they impacted by any of this? Well, no, because you take a look at the win totals for the Bills and Bengals, they were already decided. For those of you that bet preseason, the Bengals were at 11 and excuse me, the Bills were at 11 and a half. They got past that earlier this season in a win against the Chicago Bears. Cincinnati, depending on when you got the number, 10 or 10 and a half. By the time we could bet on it legally in Kansas, it was already, I think, 10 and a half. They were over their win total by Christmas Eve against the New England Patriots as well. So no impact on that market based on that. The biggest one is going to be some futures that we'll take a look at in a little bit, which is the Super Bowl market, the AFC conference market. Right now, if you go on FanDuel or any in multiple sites, and I checked FanDuel right before I hopped on the air today, you can't bet on the AFC conference winner currently. It's off the board because of the uncertainty of how is the seating going to go because it has massive implications from a betting angle. Are you going to have to play two games? Are you going to have to play three? Are you going to have home field advantage? Are you going to be playing on a neutral site? There are major betting ramifications to that. Now the Super Bowl market's still active. You can bet on that. So those are the markets that are impacted. Then the AFC North. If the game is actually a no contest, well, then Cincinnati's the AFC North champion. So for those of you maybe that had a a futures ticket on the Ravens to win the AFC North, if the NFL just says, hey, the game's not happening and that's where it looks like it's going to go, then yeah, those of you that had an AFC North title looks like, unfortunately, the Week 18 matchup would become irrelevant, except for some of the seeding purposes. And so the Bengals would get the ticket paid out there. Ravens fans, unfortunately, if you had a betting ticket on that, you would get the short end of of the stick in particular. So that's just kind of where you're at from the betting implications of what was a terrible and scary scene on Monday night and now has football ramifications. As far as the Chiefs go, they're nine and a half point favorites at Las Vegas on Saturday. The total for this game sitting at 51 and a half. When I'm looking at this game from, from a betting perspective, we know the motivation is 100% going to be there for Kansas City. I would like to think the NFL is going to make a decision on the actual seating and the home field advantage and all of that prior to kickoff on Saturday afternoon. I think that would be irresponsible by the NFL not to do that. And with Mike Florio's report that they're going to have a meeting tomorrow, I would say they're on track to have that information out before Saturday's game. I would, I would hope that it comes out tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Either way, there's going to be motivation for Kansas City because they still have to take care of business against Las Vegas. For any of the, the issues that have been brought up around the seating, and if you listen to Cody and Gold, myself and Cody earlier this, this afternoon, you know my feeling on the neutral site. You know my feeling on changing the playoff format. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. If Cincinnati and Buffalo aren't going to redo their game, which I think they should, but it sounds like that's not going to happen, well, then you don't punish everybody else as well for that. There are, unfortunately, football consequences to what occurred on Monday night if you cannot redo the game. One team's going to play 17 games, and in that scenario with Buffalo, the other's not. But either way, the Chiefs have to handle business on Saturday where they're 9.5-point favorites. And the Raiders only lost one game, guys, this year by more than a touchdown. 
Like, Kansas City's going to win this football game on Saturday. They're going up against Jared Siddham, who looked really good against the 49ers, a very good Niners defense. And the Chiefs, they put up 44 points on the 49ers. But post that game, the Niners have been one of the hottest, if not the hottest team in football. So it was impressive to see what Stidham and company did against the Niners' defense. Now it's another week. More film on Jared Stidham. Probably better to play them this week than last week, if that makes sense. The Raiders are yeah trying to play spoiler, I guess, a little bit as well. But the Raiders don't get blown out. One loss this year by more than a touchdown. Over their last nine games, six of the Raiders' games have been by single digits. So these are close games. That's why I actually lean towards the Raiders to cover, if we're just talking about the spread, to cover the nine and a half points in this game. Because the Chiefs are also 0-6 against the spread in their last six AFC West games, 0-4 against the spread in their last four road games. Which is kind of surprising, that, that last one there, right? Because if I told you that the Chiefs just aren't covering, we've gone over this multiple times throughout the year on this show, that when you're the Chiefs and your spreads typically are inflated, it is very difficult to have one of the better against the spread records in the NFL. The odds makers know the public likes betting on the Chiefs, high-powered offense, all of that. And so we see inflated lines. And it's very difficult to win by more than a touchdown in the NFL. This isn't college football, as I said, over and over again. But what I was surprised was that their own four gets to spread in their last four road games, the Chiefs are. Because they've actually performed better offensively on the road this year. In large part to two games. The 44-point performance against the Niners. And then their offensive performance, as we know, against the Bucs. At that point in time, we didn't, we didn't know fully what the, the Bucs were and what they were going to be. You kind of had a sign that maybe the Bucs weren't going to be all that great this year. But we didn't know they would be struggling in Week 17 last, last week with, what, eight wins, seven wins, now eight, to win their division. But those were their two better or best road performances, and they've been a better offense on the road have the Chiefs. As far as the Raiders, they're 4-0 against the spread in their last four games in the AFC West. All the trends, if you're a trend better, all the trends point towards the Raiders covering the 9.5 points. Stranger things have certainly happened, but all the trends point in that particular direction. Coming up next, though, I want to get Ben Heisler, fantasy sports, sports betting analyst, thought on that Chiefs game, on the national title game, and the Super Bowl futures and the impact of what's going on in the NFL and the seeding, what it could actually mean for those of you with futures tickets. Next. That betting show with Alex Gold. Thursday starting at 7 p.m. on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Here on That Petting Show, Alex Gold with you, Julio Sanchez, producing the show. You can hit us up on the text line, 913-586-7610, also on Twitter, at Alex Gold. What kind of action you're on tonight? We'll get to a little bit of the futures market in a little bit, and also the same game parlay of the night. No Thursday night football. Typically, we have Thursday night football to kind of right now kicking off. We're done with that. Regular season coming to a close in the NFL, so we'll have a same-game parlay for one of the late NBA games that's going to take place around 9 o'clock or so tonight. That's where we'll turn our attention. I must say, Julio, real quick before we get to heist, Buffalo Bills fans are not happy with me at all. I just got a nice DM from a Bills fan. Very nice DM. Oh, my entire family's pissed. They're, they're all Bills fans. Not, they're, they're not happy with me. Not happy. I thought I made my, my, my point very clear all earlier day today. today. You yeah, you did. It's very simple. You can have sympathy for what is going on with Damar Hamlin and also recognize 
there are football implications that also have to be settled. And they should make up the Bills and Cincy game. It looks like they're not going to do that. And so all I have said, if you're not going to make up that game, then you don't just hand somebody a win or hand someone neutral site games or bye weeks. That's it. And Bills fans, not happy with me. We'll have someone on from Buffalo, by the way, tomorrow on Cody and Gold around 1230 or so. But anyway, let's talk some betting. Uh, Ben Eisler, our fantasy sports analyst, betting analyst as well, kind enough to give us some time tonight. Heis, what's going on, man? I I, want to get into quite a bit with you. Real quick, since I was just discussing uh, what's going on with the Bills and and the Bengals, and I guess it's still kind of up in the air. From a a, a betting perspective, how does that change your, your mindset, maybe even on some of the futures markets right now. I know the AFC conference is off the board, but from the Super Bowl perspective too. Yeah, and especially trying to determine the best route if you're looking for exact Super Bowl matchups, that gets a little complicated as well. I I, I'm, I tend to be with you though. And uh, whether or not that gets the angry Buffalo mob <laughs> uh, headed my way, I, I understand it. I, I, I'm trying to imagine sort of a similar scenario in which it were Kansas City fans that were sort of in the spot of Buffalo fans. I, I think the only way that the NFL can really handle this at this point, and listen, the NFL does, should not be providing any sort of master class on, on how to handle <laughs> the traditional public relations spots, but I, I kind of look at it as this kind of has to be treated like a COVID game, right? Where if the game does not get played for a wide variety of reasons, if the game is unable to be scheduled and made up, the game no longer exists on the schedule and you have to be able to go with, you know, a team that's played only 16 games as opposed to 17. I, I just don't know at this point how it can be settled other than to say this game did not get played as a result of this game being removed from the schedule. It no longer becomes applicable to the records. I, I just don't know what other workaround there might be. So looking at the NFL slate, and, and, and I'm hoping by kickoff of this Chiefs game on Saturday, the NFL will have some clarity. I think they, they, they have to have they some have clarity to, yeah. on, on this. And you know, look, I understand there's the, 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 the real-life implications on, on the health of Demar Hamlin, and so it feels weird to be talking about betting on games, but at some point like the, the league is going to continue on Saturday. What, what implication do you think that has even on, on betting this weekend? Because in particular, you look at the Bills who are going to have a, a game – of course, coming up this weekend against the Patriots, that may have huge implications. You you have Cincinnati back in action. Yes, it wasn't one of their teammates, but they were there on the field when we all saw what occurred. So how does that factor in, if at all, to when you're looking at some teams? You know, are they, Is that going to be extra motivating? Is that our teams going to lay an egg? How do you approach this weekend? It's, to be perfectly honest with you, these are both games that I, I don't really want to consider wagering on. Yeah. I, I think, if anything, there's plenty of games that you might want to look at. Here, here's the thing about the, the extra motivation part, and I think Chiefs fans will understand this. Go back just a handful of years when the Patriots had a chance to lock up that number one seed, and they were taking on the Miami Dolphins in Miami. That was the Ryan Fitzpatrick game, the, the game that Kevin Harlan was calling. I'm calling two games. And you saw what happened there. Sometimes the team that should be extra motivated doesn't necessarily show up. So if you're Buffalo, how could you – you would completely empathize with the situation of them being a, a seven-point favorite at home against the Patriots. Of course they want to go out and, and win that game and lock up the number one seed for their teammate that went down the week before. If you're Cincinnati – uh, and you have an opportunity to to guarantee yourselves that division against Baltimore, of course you want to be able to do it and, and also cover the seven points in the process. But honestly, Alex, it just doesn't feel like it's an ideal spot unless you feel like the number 
is right. In the case of the Patriots and Bills, depending on, on what books you're looking at, there's some that have it at seven, there's some that have it at seven and a half. I would be more inclined to probably take the Patriots seven and a half as an underdog who is still trying to jockey and, and put themselves in the playoff race against the Buffalo team that, yes, even if they win out, uh, likely could get themselves into the top seed in the AFC, but they don't need, necessarily need to win by a touchdown. And Buffalo has had some inconsistencies in single possession games throughout the course of the last few years. So I think you have to look for the right number. If it's just sitting around a touchdown or so, it, to me, it doesn't make sense to take the bet. But if you're getting a really good line and good value, on a team like New England, I, I think the seven and a half probably is the play that I would likely go with. We're talking to Ben Heisler, fantasy sports, sports betting analyst with us here on, on that betting show. The Chiefs and Raiders game, I talked about this a little bit just to start the show. Nine and a half point favorites are the Chiefs, a total at 51 and a half. And, and we, we just know the Raiders usually play close games. We know the Chiefs have struggled to cover bigger numbers. This is over a touchdown, as we know, uh, getting close to 10. I, I lean towards Las Vegas here. What's your thought on, on just where this spread is at? Yeah, uh, the Chiefs have not been kind to betters since the, the season kicked off, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL uh, at covering the number this year. They, they don't find, unless there's like a clear motivational factor, and we really haven't seen this in the, since the early portion of the season, where they just go and beat the hell out of teams because they have the ability to do so. But there's inconsistencies on, on defense. There's times where you feel like they should just be able to run the ball entirely down a team's throat. They don't do it. They let teams hang around. And people have been burned by Kansas City all year. Conversely, you have a Raiders team that has just peed down their leg the entire season. And then the one time they make a, what feels like a terrible decision to move on from Derek Carr, Jared Siddham goes out and the offense completely comes to life. I think now that you've seen that and the line is still at nine and a half, that's what gives me a little bit of concern. Because knowing that the Chiefs can basically put them away, but you have a, a Raiders team that all of a sudden the public is going to be looking at from a different perspective. Like all of a sudden, oh, it's the guy that ran Josh McDaniel's system for a handful of years in the Patriots now knows how to unlock it. And Derek Carr was the problem as opposed to McDaniel's. I don't necessarily believe that, but given the nine and a half line, nine point line, especially on the road in a divisional game, I, I want nothing to do with Kansas city here. I'm not racing to go bet Las Vegas either. Again, this is just a weird week and the chiefs have not been that team that have been a reliable betting option. But I, I think if you're asking me to take a side, I, I have to lean with the Raiders nine and a half. What about the Saturday night game? Because it's all about the division there with the four, five, potentially the four seed, or will be the four seed, I should say, out of the AFC South. The Titans, six and a half point dogs on the road to Jacksonville, Tennessee. It's been over, what, a month and a half since they got a win. They're trying to win the division now. And I actually think Joshua Dobbs starting is, is a good thing here for Tennessee versus Malik Willis. I do too. And I don't know if Chiefs fans would necessarily agree, given the fact that Willis kept them around and forced that game into <laughs> yeah. overtime when it was here. But, but Dobbs, Dobbs looked all right. And they have Traylon Burks back, and Derrick Henry is going to be playing in this game. And basically, they're going to dare Derrick Henry to – they're going to put eight, nine guys in the box and dare Joshua Cripps to beat them. And Mike Vrabel, historically, since he came to the Titans in 2018, has actually been the best underdog coach in the NFL. I, I don't think this is going to be a runaway game for Jacksonville. Tennessee's been in free fall. But they're still, on the defensive side, a fairly solid unit. They're seventh in the NFL in opponent points per play. Uh, they're number three in the NFL in stopping teams on third down. And they're still very good against the run. They're number one in the NFL at uh, opponent yards per rush. So I I'm not just taking away Tennessee because of the, the pure lack of options right now on offense. They're getting guys back. I don't expect them to win the game. I think going into Jacksonville, given the way that Trevor Lawrence 
and the rest of that team is playing, um, you know, I, I wouldn't bet them to win on the money line, but can they cover a six and a half point spread uh, against the divisional team with the, the AFC South on the line and division they basically held throughout the entirety of the year? Yeah, I, I see this game being maybe a bit of a, a, a challenge that, that most people don't expect for Jacksonville. I do expect this game to be close to the most people anticipate. I shifting over to the Sunday, a game I think is kind of interesting in terms of how week 18 is so different. Normally week 17, now week 18, how it's so different with clinching scenarios. You got a Sunday afternoon game where the Chargers are two and a half point dogs to Denver. And that right there should tell you uh, what, what's kind of going on in that scenario where Baltimore is going to play earlier on in the day. And there's a chance the Chargers could already have their seed locked in. Uh, right as kickoff is happening or 15 minutes before kickoff, depending on what happens in that Ravens uh, Cincinnati game. Uh, so it, when you're, you're looking at betting one, do you just stay away from the game or is that one where you're like me, where I like the chargers in that spot, but I'm not going to bet it until we get to Sunday. Yeah, that's exactly where I am with it. The chargers are playing exceptionally well down the stretch. They still have the ability to charge her all over themselves, given the coaching staff and, and some of the decisions that they made throughout the course of the year. But uh, the defense is so locked in right now um, that if it is a scenario in which they need to win that game, I, I trust them to do it over a Denver team that played with a lot more passion and um, <laughs> a little bit more moxie against Kansas City than what we saw from them the, the week before. But uh, you, this is a game where you need the information. Um, I, I will say that there's another scenario that, that kind of plays in where I think you can take an early stance, and that's the Sunday night game. Because, and, and I apologize if you were going to ask me about that. No, go for it, man. I, I, I think it ties in here, right? So if Seattle wins their game, they're six-point favorites at home against the Rams. If Seattle wins that game, Detroit cannot get into the postseason, even if they beat Green Bay on Sunday night. So if you're in the corner of thinking, hey, Detroit's one of those teams that is going to play hard regardless of whether they're playing for the postseason or not, and, and I tend to lean that way, that's kind of been – a trademark of this team. They've been the you know one of the top five teams against the spread this year and last year, despite only having three wins. I, I think, if anything, if you want to take Green Bay in that game, you probably want to do so on the earlier side because what will likely happen is if Seattle wins and covers the six-point favorite, then you're going to have a Lions team probably move from four and a half um, to maybe a seven-point dog, maybe even more against Green Bay. And then now if you're taking the Packers in a game that means more to them, you're getting it at a much worse number. So I'd say if you like Green Bay, take them now versus waiting around to see what happens in the results of the, the Rams and Seattle game. But I like Detroit to keep it close, regardless of whether the playoffs are in play or not. And I'm going to hold off on that until likely Seattle wins and probably get it at a better number. I want to get your thoughts on the national championship game in just a second. But real quick, I know we've, we've gone through a couple of the games for the NFL slate on Sunday. Do you have a favorite bet, though, of the weekend? Yes. Uh, very much on Carolina on the road this week against New Orleans. Uh, in the interest of full transparency, I got it when it was at five. Uh, I still bet it again at plus three and a half. And you can still find it uh, at three and a half. They're on the road against New Orleans. Um, it's a game that just means more for Carolina than it does for the Saints. And these are two teams in the NFC South that have actually played pretty darn well uh, down the stretch of the season. And I think the only reason that the Saints are, are getting as much love as they are is they're at home and Carolina's no longer in the playoff race. But the Saints were involved in it last week. They got the win against Philadelphia with Gardner Minshew. But Carolina has a lot of decisions to make, and it's very evident that they're playing very hard for Steve Wilkes. They want him around, regardless of whether David Tepper is entertaining conversations with, with Jim Harbaugh or not. Right. They want Steve Wilkes in the building, um, and they're going to play hard for him, and the defense is going to show up. They've been a top-five DVOA defense 
since he took over on that roster. They also have to figure out what they're going to do with Sam Darnold, who has also played very good football down the stretch, has not turned the ball over, has been using his legs. He's looked more and more like that, that top three pick that we're finally, it's finally starting to get comfortable. So the fact that you can get him right now with three in the hook um, against the Saints team that really doesn't have much to play for that may make a change at quarterback to try and figure out if Jameis Winston might be an option for them down in the future. I don't know, but I think there's more up in the air uh, with regards to what the Saints are playing for as opposed to what Carolina is playing for. And I like the fact that you can get them plus the hook at three and a half. All right, let's look at that national championship game coming up on Monday night out in L.A. at SoFi Stadium. TCU, 12.5 point dogs. Georgia, 12.5 point favorites, of course. The total sitting at 62.5 points. Everybody's doubted TCU for a while. It was not long ago. Uh, we were talking on this show at one point. TCU was 80 to one to win the national title. Uh, yeah. Obviously, would have put you put yourself in a hell of a hedge opportunity uh, if, if you actually made that bet when we were talking about it. I still think TCU is getting disrespected yet again. How many times are we going to see this? It's a fair point, and I was one of the people that was disrespecting TCU in that game against Michigan. Didn't ultimately end up betting it, um, but had major concerns. This is a TCU team that reminds me a lot of the Minnesota Vikings this year in the sense that they have been opportunistic and they have been lucky, but it's such a small sample size, Alex, that it's okay. Like you need that a lot of the time. If you're going to be competing for a college football championship, you get the breaks that go your way. The game against K state with the Wildcats losing their two quarterbacks and then being able to make that comeback in the second half. There's plenty of things that you can point to with TCU this year and say, they shouldn't be here but yet they have persevered and they've played in a lot of close games and they've seemed to battle their way to it. Georgia, if they overlook TCU, I don't know if they're necessarily in trouble, but they're not going to cover. That's a big spread and it already has moved from where it opened at 14 and a half down to 12 and a half. So right now it's still a number where I probably lean towards TCU just to be able to, to keep them uh, from hanging around. Like even as good as Georgia has looked, their defense is concerning. Like, the fact that Ohio State was able to put that many points on the board with relative ease um, is an indication that TCU, with that offense, with, with Max Duggan healthy, they're going to be able to move the ball on them. It's just a question of whether or not they can convert in the red zone, uh, turn three points into six, uh, and be able to adjust, especially at halftime. So I think if you're looking to go one area, maybe you take TCU in the first half, and maybe at, like, you know, plus six and a half or so. That might be a, a play if you expect them to be close, and then uh, you go with a better coaching staff in Georgia to make some of those necessary adjustments, with, which they were able to do um, in the second half. So that's probably where I'm going to go with it, maybe take TCU in the first half, uh, and then try to live bet Georgia at a much better number. Yeah, we'll get to some of the prop bets uh, during uh, the Goldilocks at the end of the show. Uh, Quinton Johnson, of course, a stud wide receiver. Might be the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft yeah. this year. He's minus 120 to get an anytime touchdown, but 5-1 to one to score two touchdowns if you think – they're capable of doing that offensively against this Georgia defense. Heiss, great to talk with you, man. Appreciate the time, and uh, best of luck this weekend. You too, man. Always good to catch up. There you go. Ben Heisler, our sports uh, betting analyst, fantasy football analyst as well, joining us here on That Betting Show. Coming up next, though, the same game parlay of the night, a little NBA edition of that, plus we go back to the futures. That Betting Show with Alex Gold. Thursday starting at 7 p.m. on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Same game, parlay of the weekend. All right, back here on That Betting Show, Alex Gold with you. Normally we do, uh, before the show, or right before, we put together a little same game parlay, and we let you know what that is during the first segment of the show because it's a Thursday night football same game parlay. No more Thursday night football until next season. That's kind of sad. I understand 
not the best football games on Thursday night, but still, I'm a little sad. We don't have any more Thursday night football. So let's build the same game parlay of the night, NBA edition tonight on 610 Sports Radio. Plus 563 is where this one comes out to be. It's a game starting around 9 o'clock or so, our time. How about the Clippers plus six against the Denver Nuggets tonight? So Denver, they had won five in a row prior to last night. They lost to Minnesota by 13 points. They're going to play Cleveland the next day. We know Donovan Mitchell is coming off an unbelievable performance as well. I like the Clippers to cover. I don't think they win here. I like the Clippers to cover the six points against the Nuggets, who are, as I said, coming off their first loss in a little bit, looking maybe ahead to Cleveland. So with that, we got some props to tie into the same game parlay. So Clippers plus six against Denver. In the same game, Kawhi Leonard has scored 20-plus points. He's done that in three of his last four. Jamal Murray, two or more made threes. He did that in three of his last five. And then we're going with the Joker over 23 and a half points. That's an alternate point line, by the way. That is not, if you're if you're taking a look and trying to figure out point totals, you got to look at the alternate line in order to find that number. So, so the Clippers plus six, Kawhi over 20, Jamal Murray two plus made threes in Jokic over 23 and a half points. Comes out to over five to one plus 563 over at FanDuel for a same game parlay of the night and shop around see if you can find some better odds last Thursday we did hit on our same game parlay always good when that happens hopefully you followed us on that I'll be honest not the best college football weekend for us very disappointing into the uh, bowl season right before the national championship game we will have Goldilocks tonight NFL edition we still continue to do pretty well on the NFL happy about that Apologies on the college football from this past weekend. It was not our best week in the college football slate, but we did hit the same game parlay, and that is the same game parlay of the night. We'll get to Back to the Futures in just a second, but don't forget, as I said, we'll get to the Goldilocks. Did want to update you again if, if you've been tuning in uh, throughout the day today. You know, the, the big story kind of has been just where is everything going to go for the NFL? And the latest from Mike Florio is that owners are going to have a meeting he's hearing tomorrow regarding the AFC playoff seeding issues. So if you were expecting some sort of announcement tonight on what would happen, would they go neutral site? Would they go backwards and all of a sudden replay the game, even though every indication is that that's not really in the cards anymore? Would they, any type of scenario, would they go with the Matt Hasselbeck uh, idea from Adam Schefter, which was pick your path, you get to choose a home game, but you don't get the buy or whatever? All that stuff is going to have to wait at least till tomorrow. So be listening to 610 Sports Radio starting at 6 a.m. tomorrow with Fesco in the morning. And then uh, Cody and I on from 10 to noon. And, of course, CDOT on the drive as well. So at some point during the shows tomorrow, I would guess, uh, we'll get some, some update on that. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and go back to the futures. Back to the futures. I step here into the future. Okay, so on the NFL side of things, this the second time now that the Chiefs are Super Bowl favorites. We mentioned it a few times. Last time was over a month ago. The Chiefs are now actually Super Bowl favorites again. Some of this, of course, has to do with what occurred earlier in this week, unfortunately. And also with the expectation that unless the NFL changes around the format, that the Chiefs would end up being with a win on Saturday, the number one seed, maybe an easier path. Also, the emotional toll. You just you just don't know what, what's going to happen for, for Buffalo or Cincinnati after something uh, as horrific as, as Monday night. So Kansas City plus 380 now to win the Super Bowl. They are the favorite. The Bills, second best odds, plus 400. The Eagles, plus 550. The Niners, plus 550. 
Cincinnati, a little over seven to one, and then Dallas has the sixth best odds at eleven to one uh, currently, and they uh, still technically have a chance to win the NFC East. They would need the Eagles to lose, and of course, they would have to themselves take care of business uh, directly uh, this weekend. So that's where we're at. I, I still think you know if you're going value wise, there's no value on the Bills at four to one. There's no value on the Chiefs at plus three eighty. Uh, in my opinion, to win the Super Bowl, I think you look further back. You look at Cincinnati, who we don't, and it sounds like we'll ever know what that head-to-head matchup in the regular season with Buffalo is going to look like, but maybe they play in the postseason. I still think Cincinnati's playing as good as anybody. Joe Burrow and Cincy was rolling prior to Monday night, and we, we only saw, what, two possessions of the game on Monday night as well. So any, anybody looking at the 7-3 to three lead and acting as if that means Cincy was going to blow out or or whatever the, the the Bills, I think that's not fair whatsoever. We all know that teams start differently on three possessions and approach games differently. So that's that's not something I think you can you can actually take that leap. However, Cincinnati at plus seven fifty is still interesting from a value perspective. And then the Dallas Cowboys, they're tricky, right? They're eleven to one. Okay, they're they're going to probably go down to Tampa. It looks like for the first wild card weekend. It's Tom Brady. It's all that. But the Bucks consistently have been unable to get that offense revved up across all four quarters. What scares you, though, for Dallas is not that opening round game necessarily against Tampa. Is when you see Dak Prescott's decision-making right now, turnover, 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 do you trust him to not make those mistakes when they have to face the 49ers maybe in an NFC title game or earlier, depending on how the seeding's all going to work out? I think they actually feeling better about their situation going up against Philly after what happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was Gardner Minshew as the quarterback, but... The fact that they made so many mistakes and were still able to come back in that game. Defense playing a little bit better here as of late. So I think Dallas is interesting at 11 to 1. I'm really at this point not putting any money on anybody past that. So, you know, you see the Chargers at 25 to 1. Okay, they're going to probably be the five seed. Too tough of a road. Are they going to go through Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Burrow to get there and then win the Super Bowl? Minnesota's 30 to 1. Close game after close game and did not look good this past weekend. Baltimore 30 to 1. Well, Lamar Jackson still not practicing. He's not going to play this weekend. Is he going to play in the playoffs? Are we sure? Like, is that, are we 100% sure? So, how am I putting 30 to 1 on, on him if that's the case? And then an interesting one actually is the Packers. If you think they win on Sunday night, because we know they control their own destiny. The Packers win on Sunday night. Aaron Rodgers, if you're buying where they're playing, 30 to 1. That would be the only one above the 11-1 Cowboys bet that I would even remotely consider because it's still Aaron Rodgers. That's it. The Bucks and Packers are both 30-1. to one. one team's won their division is guaranteed in, the Bucks. The other team has to win on Sunday night. They're both 30-1. to one. Would you rather put 30-1 to one on the Bucks or the Packers? Yes, even, even though one team is already in, I would, between those two teams, put money on the Packers over the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now let's go more on on the back to the futures with season awards. There's only a couple award markets that are still open. So what what does that mean? Well, offensive player of the year in the NFL, you can't even bet on it anymore, at least at the major books. That's because Justin Jefferson has locked this thing up. It's not even it's not even available to bet anymore. So if you if you bet on Justin Jefferson to win offensive player of the year, you're 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 good. You're going to be good. I think you're going to be good for MVP as well. We talked about this last week, last couple weeks. The market's still open. They don't close the MVP ballot down. Mahomes minus 850 now. Joe Burrow 8 to 1. Jalen Hurts 12 to 1. Josh Allen 15 to 1. Justin Jefferson uh, 150 to 1. There was a scenario 
on Monday night, if Joe Burrow would have performed at a very high level, we all know we didn't get to see the conclusion of that game, that Joe Burrow could have narrowed the gap a little bit. He wasn't going to win it, but he could have narrowed it to where we would have been sitting here maybe and Mahomes would have fallen to minus 400 and Burrow would have maybe gone to 6-1 to or 5-1. to But after the unfortunate circumstance on Monday night, I think that also has settled uh, uh, fully what it's going to look like. The only interesting market, uh, really, and the most interesting one is comeback player of the year. It's not typical that in January we're still talking about comeback player of the year and like who's going to win it. Usually there's not a ton of candidates, right, for comeback player of the year. Usually there's some clarity by now. Christian McCaffrey is plus 150. Geno Smith is plus 150. And Saquon Barkley is 3-1. to one. If Seattle loses again on Sunday and the Niners win and McCaffrey looks decent, like, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to end up winning this thing. Geno Smith was on an MVP pace for the first eight weeks. And he's been more like Geno Smith since. Very serviceable, though. He just come back down to earth. That has allowed Christian McCaffrey to even up the odds on Geno Smith. And I think Christian McCaffrey, if you were still making a bet, if you didn't have the preseason bet, if you didn't have the better value early on on a Christian McCaffrey bet or Geno Smith bet, like right now, if I was still betting on it, I think between the two, you would have to go Christian McCaffrey. I think the the buzz around Geno Smith has worn off. A Seattle team that, of course, just has not performed at the same level here the last month and a half of the season. The last awards market, Coach of the Year. I think we've seen some narrowing here. Kyle Shanahan's actually the new favorite, plus 175. Nick Sirianni, 2-1. to Brian Dable, plus 250. You can make a strong argument now, seeing how everything's transpired, that it should be between Brian Dable and Kyle Shanahan, and that Nick Sirianni shouldn't win the award. Brian Dable's taken Daniel Jones and the Giants team to guaranteeing a playoff spot. They've clinched it. He has no playmakers in offense, and yet he's done more with less. I know you'll say, well, wait a second. Kyle Shanahan, he's done it with Brock Purdy, the third-string quarterback. Brock, Brock Purdy is running the same system and doing it just as effectively as Jimmy Garoppolo. George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, the weapons that they have, the great defense that Amico Ryans has put together. I give more credit for Brian Dable than I do Kyle Shanahan, but Kyle Shannon is the betting favorite right now. That's a look back to the futures here on that betting show. Coming up next, though, we wrap things up with the Goldilocks four NFL games and one player or two on the national championship game as well, right here on 610 Sports Radio. That betting show with Alex Gold. Thursday starting at 7 p.m. on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Thanks for hanging out with us here on That Betting Show. Alex Gold, Julio Sanchez, producing the show. 913-586-7610 from the 816. Says they have a $5 parlay that Justin Jefferson will win Offensive Player of the Year. And Mahomes, to win MVP, pays out 196 Nice job, man. I think I think you're going to be cashing that ticket. You parlayed them. So did you bet them separately as well just to cover your, you know, cover your ass a little bit? Did you do that? That's what I'm that's what I'm wondering. Props on you parlaying both. I did not parlay those. I had a offensive player of the year on Justin Jefferson separately. Like a lot of people use some of those use some of those launch day free bets. And then I used some of those launch day free bets also 
on uh, MVP bet for Patrick Mahomes. So those two future markets look good. I'm curious where people missed. That's actually a text that I would like to see from anybody. What future bet did you look at and just you ripped up by October where you're like, you were like, nah, just rip, just ripped it up entirely. Was it a coach of the year bet? Because I actually had a small $5 coach of the year bet on Mike Tomlin. And it was strictly a value play because I think, he, I think he was, oh, I'd have to pull up the ticket. Good for you. It was like five to one. And look, he's not winning it. So, I mean, I, I lost the money. So it's not, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily good for me per, per, per se. But anyway, I, my logic was that if he could somehow get Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett to begin the season to the postseason, I thought that ticket was long gone. And it still is because he's not going to win it. But now it doesn't look as dumb as maybe it did in October is all I'm saying. So that was one that I that was done, though, in October, even though I guess now it's like it's not as embarrassing. Uh, and then the only other one that I, I did have, I think like everybody, right? I had a future on the Rams to win the NFC West. They're coming off the Super Bowl. I mean, that's I mean, <laughs> they I saw a stat there. The, the worst. Um, oh, gosh, what was it? I think it is they're going to finish with the fewest wins for a team post-Super Bowl in the modern era or that something is correct. like that, right? Isn't that, that what is it correct. is? Yes. So, look, I, and I know I wasn't alone on, on that one. Someone else says they had Derek Carr MVP bet. Yeah. What were the, I, wonder, I can't remember what his odds were before the season. I mean, had that, been, that was had just been good odds, but, yeah. I, here's my thing. If you guys listen to the very first That Betting Show, we were going through, like, how to attack futures markets. Like, try to at least give yourself – you can narrow, like, narrow your choices down, and we ended up narrowing them down if you listen to that first show to – you know, Mahomes, everybody was betting anyway. We're in Kansas City. I get it. But we, Mahomes and then Justin Jefferson was was the one we really narrowed down. And the, the challenge with picking, you know, betting on Derek Carr, even Justin Herbert was you have to believe that guy can win the division. You know what I mean? Because you're not winning MVP without winning your division. And so that's where, like, you couldn't have talked me into betting Derek Carr because like, he's not going to win the division. Justin Herbert, I was like, okay, I can see some logic. At the preseason, you could understand it. And look, the Chargers look like they're going to end up with 11 wins. The Chiefs are just flat out better. They're going to end up with 14 wins if they beat the Raiders. Uh, someone else said they were stupid. Instead of taking the Chiefs over, they guessed they would win either 11 or 12 for 5 or 6 to 1. Oh, so you didn't take the over 10 and a half, which paid out, I think, uh, which was juiced pretty good, right? It was like minus 150 at one point, if not more, because everybody was betting the over, which, again, you cashed those tickets a while ago. But you picked either 11 or 12. I get the logic there. Before the season, I think we did a, a prediction on Cody and Gold, Cody and I, and I, I believe I said... 11 wins, but if they need week 18, like that they had a win, I said they get 12. So they need week 18, and they're going to get to 14. So, again, they exceeded my expectation by two-plus wins. Definitely thought they were going over the 10.5, but they they exceeded it by quite a bit. Someone said they had a Chris Jones defensive player of the year bet uh, out there. He's going to finish probably at fourth or fifth in odds. It's just it's awfully tough as an interior guy to win defensive player of the year. A lot of it is now the, the sack numbers more than anything else. Anyway, keep sending those in. You can also uh, hit me up on Twitter at Alex Gold uh, at 610 Sports KC. All right, Julio, let's get to it. Oh, just right. It's time for Goldilocks. This porridge is just right. Okay, let's get to the Goldilocks NFL. We'll get to college football as well. As I told you guys, I apologize. Last week, not our best work on college football. Not our best work. I had someone in our Discord channel say they parlayed all the Goldilocks. Let me, first of all, again, that did not turn out well for you last week. But also, I would bet these separately. You can parlay them if you want, but I would bet these separately. Anyway, not not a great end for the college football season for us. You can fade me on these two college bets if you want because I don't blame you after a, a terrible college football weekend for us last week on the show. Uh, but I like Quentin Johnson 
over 83 and a half. That was a prop bet I did bet. I didn't give it out on the show, but that was a prop bet on another betting show that I do on the weekends that we gave out. I'm going back there again, over 83 and a half for Quentin Johnson. Last two games for the wide receiver for TCU in this national championship game against Michigan, six catches, a buck 63. Against K-State in the Big 12 title game, four catches, a buck 39. Uh, I, I like Quentin Johnson. He's a huge part of their offense. He's going to maybe be the first wide receiver off the board. So I like over uh, 83 and a half. Also, if you want to put a little money on the uh, anytime touchdown for Quentin Johnson. And I do think, as I was talking with Benny Heiss uh, a little while ago, I, I do think TCU can cover the 12 and a half. I think they've been undervalued uh, and disrespected. And I think it's happening yet again. All right, let's get to the NFL where we are much better on the season. 31, 22 and two. And these are against the spread bets. Uh, this one is a total, though. Uh, cheating a little bit, I guess. Green Bay, Detroit, over 49. I, I, I don't trust the spread in this game because there's a chance that Green Bay could have something locked up or cannot lock something up based on the result of a Seattle game. Or excuse me, Detroit, not Green Bay. Based on the result of the Seattle game, Detroit could. So I, I'm just going all the over 49. I think points will be scored. Neither defense is going to be able to stop the opposing offense. I just like a lot of points in that Sunday night game to wrap up the regular season. Then how about Cleveland? Cleveland plus two and a half versus... Pittsburgh. I like the Browns to cover the two and a half against the Steelers. I know everybody's feel-good story around Pittsburgh right now, and the fact that Mike Tomlin is remarkable, one of the best coaches in the league, proving it yet again, got a chance to clinch a playoff spot. But there's a trend that I like that leads towards Cleveland covering the two and a half as well. Late-season divisional dogs on a winning streak, okay? They cover 73% of the time. That fits the billing here for Cleveland. Underdogs in late-season AFC North division games cover 65% of the time. On the flip side, the Steelers are 4-11 and against the spread after beating the Baltimore Ravens under Mike Tomlin. That's exactly what happened last week. So some trends pointing in our direction. Then how about the Chargers? Plus 2.5. I told you, don't play this. I'm not, at least, until we get to Sunday. We don't know how bad the Chargers need it, depending on what happens with the Ravens-Bengals game. If the Ravens lose, to the, the, then the Chargers would be locked into the 5 seed. The Chargers could get wind of that and lay off the gas. That's why we've seen the Chargers as two-and-a-half-point dogs against the Denver Broncos. But I do like the Chargers to cover the two-and-a-half. Just keep an eye on, on what's going on. I wouldn't bet it today is all I'm saying. And then lastly, I do like the Raiders plus nine-and-a-half. I know we're in Kansas City. You don't want me saying that. Chiefs are going to win Saturday, but I do like the Raiders to cover the nine-and-a-half points. I gave you the numbers to back that up. If you take a look, the Raiders only lost one game this year by more than a touchdown. Over the last nine games, six have been single digits. The Chiefs in AFC West games, their last six, 0-6 against the spread. In fact, 0-4 against the spread in their last four road games. So Kansas City's going to win, plenty to play for, but I don't think they're blowing out the Raiders. I think the Raiders will stay within the 9.5-point margin and cover. Thanks to Julio Sanchez for producing the show. Thanks again to Ben Heisler for joining me a little bit earlier on. We will be back at it next Thursday right here on 610 Sports Radio. Betting show with Alex Gold. Thursday starting at 7 p.m. on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Hellsburg Diamonds presents the guy who did his homework. When it came to Jill's engagement ring, Brady knew exactly what to get. Okay, so I came up with a design and showed it to all of our friends. She'll love it. Then he went to Hellsburg. Their incredible selection of high-quality lab-grown and natural diamonds made creating that special ring easy. Her reaction? I love it! Can't wait to tell everybody. Everybody might know about it. 
Be like Brady. Create the ring of your dreams at a Hellsberg near you or at Hellsberg.com. Ask now about special financing offers. Patrick Mahomes joins the drive. Mondays at 2.15. Exclusively on 610 Sports Radio. KCSP Kansas City. WDAF HD2 Liberty. Always live on the Odyssey app.